it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 289. Today, Andrew and I are going to talk about the pitfalls and problems that could come with investing with debt or using other people's money. And Andrew and I were talking about a event that I went to recently, and a lot of people were talking about real estate and some of the ways that they invest. And debt was something that came up a lot. And Andrew and I thought it would be a good idea to talk about debt can be good, but it can also be bad. And maybe we could talk about some of the problems and pitfalls of investing with debt, whether it's real estate or whether it's stocks. There are certainly some advantages, but there's also some risks that need to be considered. And we thought maybe we could help illuminate some of that for beginners. So maybe let's talk about kind of go back to the beginning. Like, where did you kind of learn about this idea of like, you know, I guess not necessarily investing with debt, but just the idea of, you know, financial freedom and kind of becoming your own independent investor, I guess. Well, shout out to Robert Kiyosaki. He has this great book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And it's a super good intro just to the concept of money. Because if you think about money is not really taught in schools, it's not necessarily something that somebody will speak openly to you with, but money is a tool that you can use to give yourself great freedom later on in your life if you can grow it responsibly. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad is all about building path, streams of passive income, which is this idea of your money making more money. You build enough of those streams, you're going to have a pretty nice life as far as monetary-wise. So I remember reading about that concept. I don't know. I was young, like maybe teenager or younger, And something about the passive income thing really stuck out to me. And it's a very, very powerful concept. I guess fast forward like a decade and I ran into Dave Ramsey 
and he kind of smacked some of those ideas right out of my head because <laughs> Dave also believes in finding financial freedom, but he talks about do not use debt in any circumstance at all because there are a lot of risks to debt that I think don't make themselves obvious. And the people like the people at the bank who are going to give you the money that you can borrow, they're not going to tell you these things. So, you know, the people who want you to borrow, they're not going to tell you these things. And so it is a topic I think that is worth discussing, even though if it can feel like a slap to the face a little bit, because debt and investments is one of those things that I feel like Warren Buffett said it best, and I can't think of any other better way to say it. You don't see who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. And investing with debt works until one day all of a sudden it doesn't or until one day you get fed up with all of these hidden problems that all of a sudden, you know, it's been a huge mistake. So I think thinking those things through before just diving into the whole using debt as leverage and using that as a tool to to grow wealth, it needs to be talked about more and, and people need to be very, very careful about it, especially starting with the stock market. Right. Yeah. So let's, I guess, let's dive into that. Let's talk a little bit about investing with debt. So we're really talking about personal, like retail investors investing with debt, as opposed to whether Microsoft carries too much debt on their balance sheet. So what what would be some pitfalls or what could be some, I guess, problems? Uh, Maybe let's start, let's do this. What are the upsides of investing with debt? How can you benefit from it? So mathematically, you can get this thing called levered return. I think it was A-Rod who had a video on Instagram talking about this, just trying to show people the basics of, so you can invest and you can make money and that can grow and make you more money. But if you use debt when you invest, now all of a sudden you can multiply your returns and then the compounding happens much, much faster. So I don't have like a great... numbers example like he did to share on the show today but the way it works is you can grow you can mushroom the amount that you can borrow much 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 more much much faster because you can take a little bit of money and expand it to a lot when you borrow Mm -hmm. and then if you do that two or three or four or five times you can have returns that are two three four or five times what you would get if you didn't use debt but the problem comes and especially in the stock market, when you invest with debt, you're basically have a, like a ticking time bomb that's working against you. So when we invest in the stock market, we talk about buying businesses that are going to grow over the long term with the growth of the economy. But in the short term, as you mentioned in a recent episode, in the short term, it's like a wild roller coaster. And just because you buy today and in six months you sell, even if the economy grew in that time, your stock might be down. So when you are buying with debt, you have to be right on your timing and you got to do it fast enough so that the ticking time bomb doesn't destroy all your capital. So there are two things right there that are working against you that make it so it's very, very hard to consistently win with debt. How do you see kind of debt and leverage and even options maybe in the stock market? How does that all play in your head? I guess it doesn't. And I think mostly it doesn't because it's not something that ever really appealed to me. And it didn't make, it felt to me like it's probably just a bias of mine. So take that for what it's worth. It felt to me like gambling. And 
I didn't look at the stock market as gambling. And that kind of investing makes it feel to me like gambling. Like you're really taking really, really big swings in the hopes that those will come out okay. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe some hedge funds or a lot of hedge funds use this kind of investing style as a way to help improve their returns. But they're also playing with a lot more house money than I am. And so it's probably not maybe as dangerous for them as it is for a retail investor. And I I guess, what's that? I disagree. I I don't know enough about it to say that with any firm conviction. It's just a a speculation on my part purely. So again, take that for what it's worth. You know, I think it's just something I just have never considered doing. It just doesn't really enter my mind as a way to invest in the people that I look up to and admire and have invested for a long period of time. That's just not the way they do it. And so it's just never appealed to me. It's like I never smoked and I was never had any friends who smoked. I was never around anybody that smoked. And so I just never was tempted to do it. And kind of the same thing with debt or working with auctions or, you know, levered ETFs or any of that kind of stuff. It's just never entered my vocabulary. Let's be honest here. Your sex life is important. It helps us feel more confident and boosts our happiness. But sometimes we struggle to perform. Our life gets in the way. This is where hymns can help. With their convenient and discreet online platform, you can get help for your erectile dysfunction from the comfort and privacy of your own home. No more waiting rooms, no more awkward conversations, just a simple, direct path to treatment that works around your life, not interrupts it. Invest in your health today. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time you join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMS.com slash investing. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash investing for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMS.com slash investing. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety and effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Well, lucky for the audience, I've smoked. I love to gamble. I've (laughs) traded options. And I am telling you that it is not worth the high. 
<laughs> it is investing with debt does not work because you have to pay interest on the debt. So when you pay interest, that's an expense that's coming out. And if that's coming out every month, every year, every week, whatever it is, if you're margin or if you're playing the options game, it's coming out over time in the way that the option is decaying. Mm-hmm. But what, however much the interest payment that you're paying is coming out, you're not going to get a good gain to offset that in any given month, week, or year. Because some years we have the market go down 20%, then it could fall another 10%, then it could fall again, 2000, 2001, 2002, or it could fall and then go back up. But where you sit on that is you don't know where the market's going to go for the short term. And so at a certain point, you've run out of money, or if the stock goes down, you have to put more money in just to keep your position open. That's called a margin call. So in the same way that it can mushroom on the way up and you can expand your returns, it can also mushroom on the way down and you got to keep throwing money into it in these margin calls because they need more collateral to cover your your borrowing. Otherwise, they're going to close your position out at a loss. So you have very dangerous things that are working against you. And at any given point in time, if the system becomes unbalanced, you could get really screwed over. And does the system become unbalanced? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it does. And that's the one thing we see over and over again with the market. So that's kind of, hopefully, if it sounded appealing or it sounded logical, it's something to reconsider because when you look over history and you look at the math of the history of the market and what you're paying when you borrow, that should be considered more greatly than, ooh, how much can I make tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So can you think of the interest that you would on the debt as like a hurdle rate? Like if you're paying 5% on a loan, you have to earn at least 5% from your investment to just break even. Is that, would that be a fair assessment? Yeah. You, yes, that would be fair. Problem being again, if the investment goes down, cause you have to put collateral. Okay. So, you know, even if you're able to borrow a hundred dollars on the dollar, mm-hmm. You still have to put something up to that ratio. So if it goes down, you have to put more than right, more than you had put in to make up that extra borrowing. Right. Okay. So yeah, to your sounds- point, to your point too, to like kind of to the question you asked. Now all of a sudden you have to make that much more than a normal investor who didn't borrow would have to make because, like you're saying, you're paying that expense mm-hmm. just to be in the game. Right. So how would this correlate to real estate investing then? Well, I you know. You can so you can argue with real estate that it's a lot more safe. I'm putting that in quotes because the income is steady and it's not like the market where the market goes up and down and up and down and up and down. You don't see the price of real estate quoted every day like it is in the stock market. So we don't think of it as going up and down and up and down and up and down. But does it really? I don't know. The problem with the whole real estate thing is feels like stable cash flows when you're renting out your properties, but that really depends. And even you look at the best real estate companies like commercial real estate investment trusts or residential real estate investment trusts, they don't have 100% occupancy. Mm-mm. There's less than 100% occupancy and that changes depending on the economic conditions. It changes based on the geographic location. And 
at least for a real estate investment trust, a REIT, they might have 100 properties or 500 properties that they can spread that risk over. So their vacancy seems really low. You have one or two properties and you have a 50% vacancy on two properties. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're underwater on your loan. So, you know, there's so many examples of things that can go wrong as a small time real estate investor. And that's not even talking about the debt part. But when you add in the debt, it makes it that much worse, that much more risky. And even though you can do the same math to show, look, I'm making higher returns than I would in the stock market because I'm using debt, you can really be crippling a lot of different areas of your life in ways you might not be thinking of now because you either haven't had the experience to live through different real estate markets or you haven't studied the history of real estate markets or you just haven't used your imagination to think of, well, if this happens, what? how can that happen? Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with debt is when you mix debt with investments, there's a million ways it can go wrong that you're not thinking of. But no matter for what reason it goes wrong, you have to pay that payment. They don't care if you got divorced. They don't care if you lost your job. So many different things can go wrong. That you still have to make that payment. And that makes it really, really hard. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. It does make it really hard. And it's, I think sometimes people get drawn into the allure of real estate. It's kind of like all those years I worked in the restaurant business. I can't tell you how many times people would come up to me and say, it must be so exciting to run a restaurant or to be in the restaurant business. And a lot of times I would just kind of look at them and give them, just kind of glare at them and go, yeah, no. Let me tell you about how sexy it is. You know, last night I was, you know, cleaning lobster guts in a suit and my tie dipped in the lobster guts. Later that evening, my tie caught on fire on one of the, the little candles that we had at the end of the table. The sewer backed up in the bathroom, in the employee's bathroom, and I had to clean that out. And our dishwasher, one of our dishwashers sliced his hand really bad. And I had to send another manager to the hospital with them, which means that I had to wash dishes for about four or five hours. So again, tell me how exciting and sexy it is. (laughs) It's an industry I loved and I did it for a reason because I enjoyed it. But I think from the outside, people can look at something and go, wow, that's super exciting. And, you know, it must be super fun to like start your own restaurant and open it. And it is until you have to start paying bills. (laughs) And then, then it becomes a lot less fun when you have to pay your employees and you have to pay the insurance and you have to pay for rent and all those fun things, it becomes very expensive very quickly. I suspect that not owned real estate myself, I suspect that there's a lot of people out there that think this, that kind of have the same illusion that, you know, oh, it'd be awesome if I owned five or six properties and I could rent them out. And, you know, how easy it would be. You just find somebody to manage it for you and then you don't have to worry about it. Well, it doesn't, life doesn't always work that way. Like Andrew said, there's a million and one different reasons why things can come up that you're going to have to get involved and get your hands dirty. And, you know, debt is one part of those, the equation that you have to to figure, because if you start buying real estate and you don't have any collateral or your credit score isn't that awesome, you're going to have really high interest rates you're going to pay on that debt. 
And that's going to eat into your returns that you can generate from the difference between the rent that you charge and the money that you pay the bank for the mortgage. And if you're paying 15, 20% for a mortgage payment, uh, good luck trying to mark up a home 15 or 20% or 30% just so you can make 10%. So those are all things that have to be considered when you're thinking about investing within the real estate market with debt. If you have the means to do so, it becomes easier. But if you're trying to do it, you know, bootstrap your way in, it can be a really, really hard struggle. And I'm not saying it's not worth it, but I don't think people should go into it you know, with misty eyes and think that this is going to be all glamour and I'm just going to be traveling the world why I make all this passive income from these properties I own. It's, it's, there's a lot more involved to it than I think people want to always understand or admit. So did you have to ever evict somebody who didn't pay their bill at your restaurant because <laughs> they went through a job loss and a divorce and had their no, dog die. All never the had to month. do that. No, never, had to <laughs> never ever, 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 ever had to do that. I did have people that would argue with me about the bill for sure, but I never had to evict anybody because they lost their job. For the most part, they weren't coming out to eat looking for a freebie. You would have an occasional person. You know, I, I remember a few of them saying to me, what do you mean I have to pay? Don't you know who I am? I'm super important. I don't know who you are. I'm sorry. <laughs> My boss expects me to collect payment for everybody that sits down. So yeah, you're going to have to pay. Sorry. <laughs> what about like the whole HELOC thing? Because you, you worked in the banking world for a little while. That's one of those that gets talked about a lot as just tap the equity in your house for a HELOC. What's a HELOC and what are your thoughts on that and using <laughs> it to buy properties as investment? Well, I guess a couple of things. So first of all, a HELOC stands for a home equity line of credit. And basically what that means, you can take out a loan revolving or not against the equity in your home. So if you have, just use easy numbers, let's say you have $50,000 of equity in your home, you can get a fixed loan for that where you get $50,000 from the bank and they and you pay them back and then you're done. Or you can get what's called a line of credit, which is kind of like a credit card, but it's there's no plastic. And it revolves. So if you pay back some of it, you get some of it available to use again. And I helped people get HELOCs when I was in the bank. And the majority of them were for home improvements. There were a couple people that were wanting to do that to get to lower their student loan payments. And that was highly frowned upon. And I think one of them actually didn't get the loan because the interest for the HELOC was actually higher than their student loan payments. So their debt, the interest that they're paying for the student loan was actually lower. So it wouldn't have made financial sense for the person to do that. So the bank said, eh, eh. but there were a few people that wanted to do that to try to buy some properties. And the, the mortgage banker that I was working with really put the kibosh on that. He was very, very, very much against that because the interest rates at the time the bank were charging for the HELOCs were around 8 to 10%. And he said, that's too high. If you're going to go out and try to buy a property and then rent it out, good luck getting a mortgage payment that somebody will rent consistently for 8 to 10% above the going rate for a home because that's a challenge. And he was very much against it. He did not think that that use of debt for that kind of thing was a real good idea at all. And I would agree with them. What year was that? Curious. That would have been right around the time of the great financial crisis. 
Okay. So people were still shell shocked from yeah. the aftermath of that. Yes. I ask because I'm curious if maybe some of the lending standards have changed since mm-hmm. and if probably people are doling those out more. Mm-hmm. I, well, you know what, what the, would be I remember reading a few years ago during the pandemic, there was a huge increase in HELOCs being issued by banks because a lot of people were going to the bank to refinance their home or take out equity in their home because interest rates were so low at that point. The mortgages were 2%, 2.5% or something crazy like that. So people, the HELOC market went nuts for about six months to a year. And then it started to cool off once the interest rates started to rise. So let's say the bank does approve somebody for that. And, you know, I understand the logic. You're tapping the equity, you're going to use it on the renovation. So what you spend on the renovation is almost like an investment because it makes your house a higher value. What are some of the downsides or the risks that come with doing exactly what we're talking about here? The first, uh, well, there's a couple. Number one, the if the values around you fall, there's a real good chance the value of your home is going to fall as well. And most HELOCs have a, a term limit, five to 10 years, depending on how you work it out. So if you have a five-year HELOC, that means you have, and you borrow 50K, you got to pay the 50K back in five years. And if it doesn't, then it reverts to a fixed term loan and it can go for a higher rate than what you got the HELOC for. So for example, if you bought a home, let's say you took $100,000 out and you went out and used that to buy some investment properties to rent out and you don't pay off that $100,000 in the first five years and it converts to a fixed term loan and you borrowed at 5% and that's what you're basing your rentals on, your rental rates on. And then the fixed loan goes into effect and now it's 12%. You just lost 7% of whatever potential you had rent that you're paying because now you got to pay more higher interest rates, higher payments on that debt. If the if you want to continue to use the equity in your home, because five years have passed, you may have earned more equity in the home, but the value of the home has fallen because the market has fallen, for example, then you won't be able to borrow as much because you have to, once the term ends on the HELOC, you have to go back and reapply for it. And they will base it on the value of the home at the time of the loan, not what it was when you first got the loan. So five or 10 years, that your house could devalue uh, for a myriad of reasons, which means that you would have less money to borrow and which means you would potentially have less money or you'd also pay a higher rate too. So there's all those, I guess, considerations to take into account. And then there's just the simple fact of the matter is the bank doesn't care if you got a job or not. And they don't care if the rentals are rented or not. And if let's say the market goes south and the properties that you're renting, their values go down and people are not dumb. And if they're renting, chances are you just got to go to Zillow and see how much the house is worth that you're renting. And you can pretty quickly figure out what it would be valued at to buy it. And then, you know, if you're, you know, if they think that uh, they discover, why am I paying 30% you know, markup on this home? It's not worth yeah. that. You know, I'd be better off buying it. They're going to leave. Yeah. You know, they're not going to stay or they're going to come to you and, and try to negotiate a lower rent while they're living there. And all those things can eat into your income. And, and so those are all things that can and will happen, you know, during the time that you're trying to rent, rent these properties. So it's not 
there's just things you have to account for. You have to consider all those factors when you're considering buying a home. And the other, I guess the other aspect to buying a property like that, it's not like selling Apple in the, in the stock market. You can't just go on your app and sell it in five minutes. If you all of a sudden decide you don't want to be in this business and you want to liquidate your holdings, it could take some time, especially depending on what the, what's going on with the market. Two years ago, you could have sold it for a, a ton of money, <laughs> but now, yeah, I don't know. You know, it might be a lot harder and you might get a lot less than you paid for. And now you're upside down on that too. So those are all things you have to consider before you go into that, you know, the whole business and you have to consider before you take out equity in your home to do something like this. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. What happens to a HELOC if the interest rate goes up? And I mean like interest rate as in the interest rates that we all are affected by from the Fed to the ones at the bank, the, the ones that are all tied, the mortgage, the treasuries. If all the interest rates are moving higher, how does that affect the HELOC? I think it depends on the HELOC and what the contract will stipulate. But in a lot of cases, if it'll be like a credit card, it'll go up, it'll rise just like the credit cards do. When they raise the Fed rates, that Capital One raises the rates on their credit cards. And a lot of banks will probably do the same thing with the HELOC. I think it depends on what you negotiate, what the contract stipulates. Some are fixed rate, and, but some will be variable. And a, a lot of it probably depends on your credit score as well and what kind of rate you're going to get. Yeah, I guess if it's a revolving, then that's mm-hmm. very similar to a credit card. And It is. Those move, people. Like, we saw 40 years of falling interest rates for everything, from mortgages to the treasuries, the Fed. It's all tied mm-hmm. from 82 to pretty much two years ago. And now they're climbing back up and they climb back really fast. So I think a lot of people are maybe betting that interest rates fall back to where they were over the last 10 years, 15 years. That's not necessarily the case. So Mm -hmm. 
now all of a sudden you're going into the banking industry and you're playing with interest rates and you know, you're going to start buying interest rate hedges and, and all this stuff. Like it's, that's a tough business. So that's, there's a reason why the big banks have all these people work for them to try to figure out how to manage interest rate risk. Mm-hmm. There's additional risks, even the risks of everything blowing up. You have lots of ways you could go negative on your, your expected cash flows. Right. Yeah, exactly. For me, if I was going to go into, if I was going to start doing these types of investments, I would have to create a checklist of all the things that could possibly go wrong and try to figure out how I could offset those. And kind of like, you're not going to be able to mitigate every risk, just like you can't when you invest in stocks, but trying to figure out a way to have some sort of margin of safety to anticipate the downsides to help protect you I think is, is a great way to go. And it, it kind of goes back to, you know, investing in margin and being really tight on the money. It's, it's a gamble. It's a risk. And you, you have to be cognizant of that when you walk into it, that it's not going to be all sunshine and roses, that there will be times where it'll go down and you got to be prepared for that. Well, learn from the whole Circuit City bankruptcy example, which I've used in the past. And it really, again, reinforces this idea. You only know who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. Because when the tide goes out, that's when a lot of things kind of domino effect on themselves. And in this case of Circuit City, they had all this inventory. And suddenly when there was a slowdown and people wanting electronics, they had way too much and they ended up collapsing. Even though they were opening new stores, they had revenues that were growing, they had earnings that were growing. But when you don't manage your risks and you don't think what's the worst case scenario and am I protected from that, then anything could happen to blow you up. A pandemic could happen to blow you up. A million things could happen to blow you up. So in the stock market, we look at like what's the maximum liability here? Can the company cover it or do they have it spread out? Do they have it lather? Does is the debt lather so it's not all a balloon payment? Those are the things you look at with stocks. I would imagine with real estate, there should be similar ways to do it, but you want to start at the, what's the worst case scenario and just assume it's going to happen because there could be, you don't know why it's going to happen, but something will trigger something. And if you know that your worst downside risk is covered, then you should feel much, much better. And that pretty much disqualifies anything that's a floating rate, in my opinion, because rates can go they can move like crazy. So if your debt's not fixed rate, you really don't know what your potential downside is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Well, with that, sorry to be Debbie Downers. We just want to make sure that everybody's protecting themselves and is aware of the potential risks. That's our job here. So yeah, okay. with that, they can not like me as long as you don't blow yourself up. <laughs> no, I think our job is to, is to make sure that everybody understands, you know, that they need to invest with a margin of safety, whether it's stocks or whether it's real estate. All right. So that's going to wrap up our show for this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app. If you enjoyed our little show, if you would kindly consider giving us a review, it greatly helps our show. And don't forget to browse the incredible materials we've created for you at einvestingforbeginners.com. Lastly, continue growing your knowledge as an Investing for Beginners insider with insights and educational tips delivered right to your inbox for free. Sign up today. And with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our conversation for today. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. 
Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.